おはようございます。お迎えいただきありがとうございます。今日は週の先生の祝日であり、イエスの選挙の始まりを示します。今日は私にとってホリクロスでの最初の日曜日であり、私はあなたの牧師として奉仕を始めます。ここに皆さんと一緒にいられることは大変恐縮で光栄に思います。ご信頼いただき誠にありがとうございます。新しい始まりには常に挑戦が伴います。私は過去にあなた方を訪問したことがあり、すでにこの記憶が大好きで居心地が良いと感じていますが今は私たち全員にとって過渡期にありますあなたの牧師として私はあなたの助けが必要になると予想しています私はこの歴史的で美しい記憶の日本の伝統とルーツを守り、同時に私たちがいる新進気鋭のコミュニティにこの記憶を開いていくつもりです。この意向とこの知り合いの期間がスムーズに進み、神がこの記憶その人々、そしてこの近隣地域を引き続き応援に祝福してくださるよう祈ってください。Good morning and thank you for having me.Today is the feast of the baptism of our Lord, which marks the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And what a coincidence! <laughs> It is my first Sunday at Holy Cross today, and I am starting my ministry with you as pastor. This appointment will initially go until April the 15th, so I will be with you at least for Lent and Easter. And then it will be assessed and reviewed. My appointment at Holy Cross is very part time, around 12 hours per week. I know you love and miss Reverend Alicia, and I know that I am not her, and that things will be different. This morning, before the liturgy, I was looking for the mantle of the altar. Where was it? And this is part of your traditions. This is part of the things that I will need to learn. I will learn from you, you will learn from me. I hope 
things will go well, especially in this um, tight schedule that um, I'm going to have and my exposure to you as congregation, but I will utilize my utmost energy to serve you. New beginnings are always challenging. And although I have visited you in the past and I already love and feel at home in this parish, we are all in a transition period. And transitions can be tough. I am and I feel deeply humbled and deeply honored to be here with you. And I thank you very much for your trust. As your Pastor, I really anticipate that I will need a lot of your help, and my intention is to uphold the Japanese traditions, even though I am Spanish. What a weird word, yeah? global, global word. And I intend, because I like and cherish this very much, the traditions and the roots of this historical and beautiful parish, but at the same time, um, with your help, you will be doing mostly all the work to open this parish up to the up-and-coming community we are in. I ask you to pray. Prayer is what we do in church, right? For this transition, for this acquainting period, that everything goes smoothly, and that God continues to bless this parish, its people, and this neighborhood tremendously. And I'm afraid this has been just the introduction. I'm going to talk a bit about the readings today. We have a reading from Genesis. Genesis is a book about the beginnings. I'm going to be talking about baptism, which is also the beginning of our Christian life, a symbol that we show that we are Christians, that we have received the faith from Christ. Saint John the Baptist was the first prophet to have arisen in Israel for almost three centuries. He was such an impressive and charismatic figure that people around him that they were expecting this to happen thought that he was the Messiah. He had so much influence, he had so much power with the people that King Herod eventually had to send him to prison in order to avoid a popular revolt. People were revolting because of the things that St. John was saying. King Herod was not really what we can call a very moral person. And John the Baptist was pointing at all the bad things that the king was doing. Now, even a hundred years after Christ's resurrection, these prophets, his disciples, continued to carry on his mission of preaching 
repentance and baptizing. Christ himself calls John a prophet and more than a prophet. The greatest among men born of women. What a compliment. On the significant scales of holiness and historical importance, it's pretty clear that St. John the Baptist occupies a pretty high level. Yet, John himself was humble, and he points out that one mightier than I, Jesus, was coming, is coming after me. To emphasize his point, he adds that he is not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. To stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. What does that mean? I know this is not a Bible study. I know you are a Japanese congregation, you're quiet, but what does that mean? Maybe, maybe next Sunday, I'll ask you another, another question. Taking off, um, I don't know if you can appreciate my beautiful food, what happens if I remove the shoe once I've been walking all day? And then you're next to it. It's not really pleasant. Now, in the Near East, taking off someone's sandals was a task reserved for slaves. It was really an unpleasant job. They didn't have showers every day. They come or they came from journeys and they didn't have socks, so it was pretty, you, I mean, you can, you can imagine what I'm trying to say. So the dust and the dirt and the manure from the many pack and animals, you know, caked. I don't know, what a lovely word to, to express this. In the traveler's feet. And it was slaves' job, obviously, to clean those grimy extremities, for which he could need to remove the sandals. So just imagine, and also imagine, you know, because in, later in the year we will have the liturgy of the washing of the feet. It's actually kind of the same idea. St. John the Baptist, the greatest of prophets and the greatest of men, claims to be much less than a slave in relation to Christ's greatness. John the Baptist is not only recognizing Christ's humanity, he's also recognizing his divinity. And as a result, his relationship with Christ was marked not only by confidence and sincerity, but also by reverence. Reverence. We, and I think we are, indeed, at least myself, much less holy, or holy, I don't get the pronunciation of that in, in English yet, um, Cecilia was helping me with that before, we are less holy and wise 
and St. John the Baptist. And we should learn from this example. Sometimes we have the wrong idea about reverence, and as a result, we hinder the development of our friendship with Christ. There are, I think, two wrong ideas that we can have about reverence, about being reverential. First, we can be turned off from reverence because we think it takes away from love. But true love and true reverence always go together. Now, think about parents. How many of you have children? No? You do? Sorry. Anybody? No? No? You have children. You, you remember. Okay, so that's good. So, why are you laughing? Oh my goodness. So, um, <laughs> you think about the birth of your child. You're filled with deep love. But you're also filled with awe, with reverence. It's something so big. And this is precisely because we love our children very deeply. Just in the same way, healthy reverence that belongs in our relationship with Christ doesn't inhibit our love for him. It shows and grows it. The second wrong idea is that reverence will block our friendship with Christ because it is too formal. As Anglicans, and especially at this parish, I suppose, of Holy Cross, with its Japanese origin and culture, it is true that we use many formal gestures. But they are not meant to be mere formalities. They have a deeper meaning. For example, right before the Gospel that we read, before this sermon, we were all standing. This is a way, another way, to express our respect and gratitude to Christ, present in a special way in the Gospels. In the same way, we stand up to welcome a special guest who comes into the room. But if we don't think about the reason, it just becomes another uncomfortable burden. Formal gestures can enhance our relationship with Christ and opening our hearts to the transforming power of His grace. Baptism is a great, miraculous gift, but it is also a great responsibility. It is the beginning of a lifelong adventure, the adventure of following Christ through his earthly pilgrimage and into the everlasting joys of heaven.
It is the only journey that can really satisfy the deep yearning of our hearts for meaning, wisdom, and purpose. And it is a journey that Christ himself made possible by deciding to take our human nature upon himself, as his own baptism shows. In a few moments, he will give us new strength for this journey by feeding us with his own body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And when he does, think, put your heart in it, and thank him for all his priceless gifts. And at the same time, let's renew our commitment to put them all to good use. And I want to finish this sermon praying the collect of Psalm 29. And I'm going to ask you to join me to ask God to make us more aware of his love and more open to receive blessing and peace from him. And also that we can share blessing and peace with others. God of mystery and power, Open our eyes to the flame of your love and open our ears to the thunder of your justice that we may receive your gifts of blessing and peace. To the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.